Welcome to Manners and Madness, a Jane Austen and David Lynch podcast. My name is Maya Adkins. And I'm Christian Cabrera. And today is our episode two of Sense and Sensibility, the book, chapters 10 through 16. <laughs> or as I like to think of them, the whole affair. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's so crazy how compared to like a movie adaptation or like a miniseries, like I feel like we're covering so much in the book and I'm like, we're just at the start. <laughs> I feel like we've covered <laughs> half the movie. I know, I know. It is crazy because then you're like, well, what is there in the back? Especially when we get yeah. towards the end because there was like one section near the end that I was like, what are we even going to cut? What's, what's happened? <laughs> what's left? <laughs> uh, but we have a long time where we just talk about Eleanor. So, but I was thinking of this as like the Romeo and Juliet are like the W plus M. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, when I'm, while I was reading this, I was like going through like the Rolodex of W villains in the Jane Austen universe, um, because there are a couple of them. And what? I was like, why do we hate Willoughby again? And then I was reminded at the end of this chapter, I was like, ah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Willoughby has an interesting distinction for me and being like someone who the whole time I'm like, oh, you suck. I know that you suck, but I also like you. Like, yeah, I would be drawn in. And I like, I don't know. There's something about like Henry Crawford, Willoughby. They both have this kind of like charm to them that I'm like, yeah, you're horrible, but I I, I still kind of like you. I don't know. <laughs> Where Mr. Elliot, you know, like, I get that kind of cold, aloof vibe where I'm like, oh. Yeah, yeah. and, <laughs> you know, like, Wickham is so very clearly, like, the villain. Capital yeah. T. Wickham is kind of like, I, I don't know. He never really comes across as so charming to me. Yeah. I feel like Willoughby is so, like, I'm, I've been having the same issue where I'm like, I know I'm supposed to hate you, but... It seems like everyone is having a great time and you seem very <laughs> sincere. So maybe I don't hate you. Well, oh. when we get to the end of the book there, he, he gets put into more context. I mean, like, yeah, he does horrible things, but like he's not going about it from a ruthless perspective, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. I totally get it. And <laughs> I, under, I understand that's I'd like sort of understand like why he's doing it. And that maybe he is a deep down a good person, but you can't cross Marianne in this book and have me be on your side. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, yeah, he's, I don't even know. Well, we're going to do a deep dive at the end, right. so maybe we can talk more about <laughs> him then. So what, what was your first impression for chapters 10 through 16? I enjoyed it a lot. Surprisingly, I enjoyed the time with Willoughby because it felt like it was a very happy set of chapters until like the last one. Yeah. And I kind of, I kind of forgot about, I don't know if we ever saw it in any of the adaptations, but like the little like moments where they would like whisk each other away on the carriage <laughs> to like Mrs. Smith's, like, you know, whatever, or just do stuff together that seems so very like, I don't know, it didn't seem of the time to me in the sense of like, oh, they're alone. That's so interesting right. Right. I didn't really realize it until I read the book so I was like oh this seems so and like it makes you feel like when the ending of this set of chapters happens where he ends up kind of breaking it off it feels so much more impactful I think and so I was like oh, this is horrible yeah. it does kind of put like the scandalousness into perspective because like mm -hmm. 
Edward, you know, lit, left the room anytime he was a, going to potentially be alone with right, Eleanor. Right. But like Willoughby and Marianne can run all over the country and nobody's really judging them. They're like, oh, those right. leopards, you know, so. Right. I remember watching, you know, they used to do like Manor House and stuff on PBS where they would have people mm-hmm. live in the, the homes. supposed like time period, you know, and they did one that was Regency House based on like Jane Austen. And it was like the most scandalous of all of them. People were like always sneaking <laughs> to each other's bedrooms and flirting. <laughs> and it was like, it's not as strict as, you know, later times. So Oh, no. I feel like <laughs> it's definitely like of uh, the thought of like, oh, we have these rules, but is really anyone following them? Because <laughs> I know. I mean, every single Jane Austen book, there are affairs going on in the background. <laughs> exactly. Love children. And, <laughs> yeah. And like the idea, like after watching Sanditon and kind of learning about that, it seems like, you know, those yeah. of all the pieces was like, here's the scandal out and about. <laughs> I think, and I, I did this for my notes. I kind of um, did, there's like a section in this book in the introduction about like the history of like sensibility and like what it meant and where it started. Oh. And so I put that in my notes, but it just seems like when we, after we get into it, you'll be able to see like, oh, this like people were so obsessed with like romanticizing everything and being like, yes. well, there are rules, but as long as it's like romance <laughs> breaking the rules, we don't really care. Yeah. I love it because I have always loved like art history and learning about uh-huh. the different, you know, movements in art history. And I just, I, I remember learning about the romanticism and like, there are just so many young, rich people with nothing to do. Yes. <laughs> when romanticism came about. <laughs> but yeah, I would say uh, I did have a thought. Okay. I don't know if it really relates to these chapters, but you remember when we were doing Northanger Abbey and they were talking about quizzing all the time? Yes. I feel like quizzing is equivalent to reading and like, oh, you yeah. Know. So I feel like it too. <laughs> she never really talks about quizzing after that one. So I guess maybe it was just like, um, maybe something from an earlier time period that never yeah. quite made it to the other books. But I just think it's so funny that. There's a whole culture in England of like quizzing slash reading people. Right. <laughs> Just some very light shade. <laughs> yeah. Well, some of my favorite parts of this chapter are like Eleanor laughing at Marianne and mm-hmm. kind of like, I don't know. We'll get to it. We'll get to it because it's all in the recap. <laughs> but <laughs> Yeah. What's well, so funny that like, and I wonder maybe if it was like quizzing was more of like a bath thing or like that kind of society thing, like where everyone's all close together and it's all about socializing and being, yeah. you know, vacation, quote unquote. But I feel like this entire book, the author is without response from the characters quizzing them. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and quizzing everyone. There was like one section and we'll probably get to it in the recap, but where I think they're talking about was it the picnic or something? And that Eleanor was like, kind of like dreading it. But then there was like, better than that, they didn't even go at all or something like that. And it just made me laugh out loud. Yes, yes. (laughs) Oh my God, it was so funny. Yeah, I was noticing a lot like the, you know, Jane Austen is kind of famous for the indirect narrator style in which you can't really tell. Although part of me wants to believe that the majority of it 
mm-hmm. like in the middle portion is Eleanor because so much of the book is kind of written from her perspective. But like right. at the very beginning and the very end, it feels less like more like the narrator and not mm-hmm. like Eleanor. <laughs> so yeah, but Eleanor does have that same kind of like sensibility. Like of, yeah, <laughs> like she makes fun it's of Marianne at one point. Marianne gets her panties in a bunch, and her mom's like. Marianne, she's just joking. And Marianne's right. like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah, I. That's what one thing I do love about this book, particularly, is the the like sibling bond feels much more yeah. real compared to like Pride and Prejudice or anything like that, where everyone is just like, we're close, but we're making fun of each other all the time. Yes, yes, they have a different kind of relationship than like. Elizabeth and Jane because Jane is just yeah. so like nice she, you can't yeah pure hearted <laughs> they don't really seem to care that much about their younger sisters you know? yeah <laughs> but Marianne and Eleanor I, I just feel like this whole little female family is like just so tight-knit and I think it's because oh, yeah. mama is just so like open with her daughters and like they just yeah. have a very kind of like a modern family relationship i would say yeah she seems more like you said open and kind of like willing to like let them do what they whatever they want which is kind of cool yeah she's a cool mom yeah she is a cool mom (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well should we go ahead and get into the notes then let's do it That's my catchphrase apparently today. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> I wrote down like the pages that was like, oh, continue this uh, stuff because there's like some lines on this page, but it's like all Roman numerals. And I was like, do I remember how to count Roman numerals? <laughs> I guess. So. Okay. So for notes today, I kind of, uh, there's a part of my book that's like the introduction of like sense of sensibility. And it kind of gives a little bit about Jane Austen. Um, but then it also kind of goes into like the themes of the book. And so there was like this whole section on like the history of like sensibility and like its importance and like what it meant and kind of like how it kind of one of the more important like qualities of a person at the time and kind of led uh-huh. to the whole romanticizing everything. So I figured I would do a quick little history on it. Sensibility first appeared in the English language in the 15th century. And back then it was used to kind of describe either like mental awareness or the power of sensation or perception. Kind of how we use it today. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of just did like a complete like (laughs) loop-de-loop. And it was kind of, I would say probably like more literal. Okay. And then by the 18th century, which is kind of where we are now, it kind of took on additional meanings and became more widely used. And it came to denote a person's general emotional consciousness or feelings. More significantly, a sensibility, uh, oh, sorry, a sensitivity of feeling. And so it was kind of like more like about the heart and like, oh, like, how do you feel about this rather than like, what do you perceive it to be? Right. So it's really interesting. And let me see, I have some, okay. And so basically my book says the, this extra sensitivity could mean various things among the feelings that were identified as especially strong in a person of sensibility were compassion for suffering and the unfortunate, empathy with others' feelings, love of natural beauty, delicate artistic taste, and instinctive aversion toward immorality. Hmm, interesting. 
I was just thinking of like, you know, well, when you're talking about the natural, because I remember talking about this with Kristen at one point. I don't remember which book. I think probably Northanger Abbey, but like, you know, how they made the grounds like look wild, even though uh-huh. they were very manicured to look wild. And, yeah. you know, like Marianne <laughs> loves the woods outside Norland, the wild woods. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they talk about it in this one, but in the future, we learn how John and Fanny have changed stuff around. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, Marianne's always going on walks, and she loves, you know, wild nature and stuff like that. Yeah, and it's just, it's so interesting that, like, and I guess you could say it's, like, kind of, like, the natural progression of society. Like, we kind of, like, go into periods of, like, more rules, more rules, and more, like, morality is kind of, like, the main focus. And then we kind of go out of it, and we're, like, well, people's feelings and love and yeah, romanticism is the most important and I guess like uh they kind of saw this like new idea of sensibility as like oh society is progressing and it's refining and it's going to be better and so it's like almost like the ideas of Marianne are kind of like what people are like oh that's where we need to go yeah I feel like a lot of Jane Austen represents this push-pull in society and this book illustrates it more than any of them but like I always think of English society, especially at that time, as being very, like, you know, restrictive. We can't say what we're thinking. We got to keep all our emotions inside. But, like, also they are valuing, you know, the wildness and the more natural responses Mm -hmm. and the not being restricted and the being open and, you know, I don't know. It's just really interesting because... I think both are definitely the push pull is kind of like what makes us human in a way. Like, yeah, are we just wild and do whatever our instincts tell us to, or do we, are we rational creatures who, you know, can make a structured oh, society? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of like this, like almost eternal, like debate that yeah. um, she's writing about sense and sensibility. And it's like, Clearly, like, we know that there needs to be a balance, but then it's also, like, everyone has that pull to one side, and I feel like right now, especially, we're in a sensibility kind of time where people's feelings are, like, the most important aspect, and that's (laughs) kind of, like, the modernization of, like, yeah, you know, everyone's thinking, like, you know, right now, like, progression is making sure people are safe and people feel cared for, and it's kind of, like, a step away from, like, maybe, like, the 20th century which was seemed more logical and in a sense or more like rules social media means everybody's opinions about everything right (laughs) Right. every moment and i guess we'll probably move into more of a like why don't you keep all that to yourself nobody cares (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah and i part i guess you could argue we're also like sort of entering a sense and sensibility area because it's like you know, social media kind of gave everybody the idea that like, you know, everyone's opinion matters. But then as we got like <laughs> further along, care about any of your opinions. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's like, you know, um, you can have your opinions, but logically, I don't want to hear them. So, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we're maybe we're reaching that blend that Jane Austen was trying to tell us that we need to reach. Yeah. yeah. Interesting times. It's just like a continuous cycle. 
<laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. And what's really interesting is like the book was saying how like this idea of sensibility was more like attributed to like females and like female characters and uh-huh. women of the time had definitely more sensibility than men did. And right. Basically, you know, whatever. Like women are more yeah. sensitive. And it's like, okay. That's the kind just... of idea that leads to women being locked up in mental asylums for having more right. <laughs> men. Repressing so much that they become unhealthy. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But I thought that was really interesting. Maybe that's why I like Willoughby so much, because even though he's not great, refreshingly, he's like able to express his own emotions to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah, very easily too. It seems like he's like very quickly, like, yeah, I love Marianne and I love all of you people around me and Especially when we like talk, when he talks about like the cottage and he's like, don't change anything. I love this cottage yeah, so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> Should we go ahead and get into the recap then? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Starting with chapter 10. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah the last thing that happened was willoughby rescued marianne and margaret <laughs> declares that he is marianne's preserver <laughs> <laughs> i do appreciate how much more margaret we get in these chapters because she's really yeah. funny yeah <laughs> <laughs> but willoughby comes to visit the very next morning and seems super impressed with everyone Mama is grateful and being especially charming to him. He thinks that Eleanor is handsome and that Marianne is even more handsome. I don't know if it's him or if it's the narrator, but they do like have a whole description of Marianne. And yeah. um, she's described as having brown skin with transparency and an uncommonly brilliant complexion. I, they just they describe her as like being shorter, but having a more distinguished figure so i'm just guessing she has bigger boobs <laughs> <laughs> well yeah i mean regency is all about that umpire waistline and yeah she's I more would... hourglass <laughs> yeah definitely the, the original coke bottle <laughs> yeah <laughs> she has dark eyes with a spirit and eagerness which could hardly be seen without delight <laughs> <laughs> Uh, her and Willoughby ascertain each other's opinion on everything the first morning, which is usually the same. They both usually agree <laughs> with each other. But if they do have differing opinions, then he is always quickly swayed to her way of thinking. <laughs> <laughs> and after he leaves the first day, Eleanor teases Marianne about having already covered half of their potential subjects of conversation. <laughs> and oh, this is the part uh, it must hit a nerve because uh, she goes off on Eleanor for like a whole paragraph <laughs> saying <laughs> she was open and sincere while she should have been reserved, spiritless, dull and deceitful. And I'm like, well, that's pretty harsh, Marianne. But her yeah. mom was like, Eleanor was just kidding. And Marianne immediately softens. <laughs> yeah, she's like, chill out. <laughs> she definitely hits a nerve. <laughs> yeah, she, it's definitely like, you know, Eleanor's like, I'm big sister and I know more than you and you definitely didn't act yeah. like you're supposed to. <laughs> I guess Marianne does know deep down or else she wouldn't have reacted so exactly. over the top about it. Exactly. 
Bas- and then Willoughby basically comes back every day to visit. And both Marianne and Mama find him faultless. <laughs> <laughs> Eleanor, though, thinks that he's a bit too judgmental and too free with expressing those judgments. I'm like, look who's talking, Miss Eleanor. <laughs> the judgmental <laughs> the, uh, department. The irony of that. But she doesn't express the, her opinions usually to anyone but us. So <laughs> only right. we know how judgmental <laughs> Eleanor can be. <laughs> But he also, like, only pays attention to the people who he's interested in and is generally rude to everyone else. Not that Mm -hmm. anyone else ever notices that sort of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Together, him and Marianne have a lot of judgments to pronounce on Colonel Brandon. Rude. And Eleanor defends him, saying he always seemed informative and nice to her. (laughs) And she says... (laughs) To Willoughby, I may venture to say that his observations have stretched much further than your candor. (laughs) (laughs) Go off, Eleanor. (laughs) I feel like in these set of chapters, there was so much like Eleanor talking about Colonel Brandon and defending him and all Mm -hmm. that. And I was like, I know how this story goes, but is Eleanor going to fall in love with Colonel Brandon? And do I ship them? You know, it's funny because I was listening to another Jane Austen podcast called Pot and Prejudice, mm-hmm. which I believe is very popular. I haven't really it's a good name. contacted them at all. But one of the people on that one was talking, I think, was kind of obsessed with Eleanor and Colonel Brandon getting together the whole mm-hmm. time. <laughs> together. But really, from the very beginning, Eleanor is like, well, Colonel Brandon is the only person I like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel sorry for him. Yeah, I understand him. So it does kind of feel like they should. And honestly, other people in the book ship them. So we will get yeah. to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, Eleanor says that Marianne's judgment of Colonel Brandon, that he has no genius, taste, or brilliance, is based on her own imagination. <laughs> and Willoughby admits that he doesn't like the way that he doesn't always say and do what Willoughby wants him to say and do. And that's basically <laughs> the reason he doesn't like him. He has his own opinions that aren't mine. So <laughs> I felt like I could feel Eleanor's eyes roll out of her head when he said that. Yeah. <laughs> like you could just feel it on the page. Yeah. Okay, chapter 11. So the Dashwood women are like, we never thought we'd be so busy in this new house. <laughs> Sir John is constantly having parties and balls and going on excursions. And of course, Willoughby is always invited, as are the girls, of course. (laughs) So Marianne and Willoughby spend all of that time basically only talking to each other. (laughs) They like dance together. And when they can't dance together, they just stand next to each other and ignore everyone. (laughs) (laughs) And Eleanor is kind of embarrassed. She's like, I really wish they wouldn't be so obvious, but. Mama doesn't seem to be worried about it. Yeah. Well, it's so funny that we have that whole like discussion about sensibility we had and like how Eleanor is like, but rules, rules, rules. And literally everyone else is like, we don't care. <laughs> we just want to well, talk about Well, even like it. their friends, like Miss uh, Sir John and Mrs. Jennings, they yeah. don't care. They're not offended yeah. by them. They just think it's so funny that they are so together all the time. Yeah. It's so, uh, you know, they're probably like uh, young love. They just can't stay apart. And even with what happens later, you know, they're not judged for having been together so much. Yeah. Anyway, we'll get to that. But Eleanor is just way too fastidious, in my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) 
Marianne could not be happier during this whole time. But meanwhile, Eleanor is a little depressed. She doesn't have anyone to talk to because she doesn't care for Mrs. Jennings or Lady Middleton. (laughs) I mean, she talks to them, of course, but they're either like way too TMI, like too much information (laughs) or else, (laughs) which is Mrs. Jennings or else Lady Middleton is just super boring and only wants to talk about her kids all the time. Right. And I said, this is the chapter I want to psychoanalyze Eleanor. (laughs) (laughs) First off, they're probably all still dealing with their father's death. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Eleanor, I think because she and Edward could never go beyond propriety like Marianne and Willoughby do. They never really knew how each other felt about each other. And so she just feels none of the reassurance that she's going to be happy with the man that she loves. Yeah, like in a way, it's biting her in the butt to have been so reserved because Mm -hmm. she, you know, she just doesn't have any idea whether Edward even likes her or not. And she's kind of pining for him, but she never told him how much she cared for him either. So, you know, she's like, what's (laughs) what was there to do, basically? And I feel like deep down, especially in the book, you can kind of be like, tell that. Eleanor's like a little bit envious of Marianne's kind of like yeah. free energy and is like, I wish I kind of was like that with Edward, just so I know where I stood. Exactly. And it makes her a little more judgmental of them. Yeah. <laughs> she does, though, like talking to Colonel Brandon. And she realizes that he does have feelings for her sister, which is also kind of must be kind of crappy for her because like he's the only <laughs> one she likes talking to. And she's like, but he was in love with my sister, of course. <laughs> who isn't <laughs> although i don't think he really has any my impression of colonel brandon is he doesn't have any feelings that him and marianne might get married someday like he likes her because yeah. she reminds him of someone he used to love not because like he's hoping to someday be with her <laughs> you know? yeah yeah and you can kind of see he's not actively trying to court her or anything he's yeah. just like oh, i just like these things about her i kind of get the feeling that if marianne and willoughby had gotten married that he might have married Eleanor just to be like, mm-hmm. you know, keep the family close or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> he It's funny. He has this moment where he kind of laughs about Marianne feeling like second attachments are impossible. And despite her own father's second marriage. <laughs> and he, <laughs> he likes that about her and thinks that if, and fears her losing her romantic refinements, as he says. And... He starts to tell a story about a woman he knew who lost her romantic refinements, so to speak, and stops himself. Can you hear that? No. Okay. <laughs> Eleanor, <laughs> they're, they're cutting one over there. Eleanor Uh-oh. figures he must have had some disappointed love in the past. So we're doing the first little Ooh. inklings. I kind of feel bad, like, if anyone's reading along with us, I might be spoiling some too much but if they've been following the podcast they've watched the adaptations and basically know exactly (laughs) exactly okay so chapter 12 one morning while eleanor and marianne are walking marianne tells her that willoughby bought her a horse (laughs) (laughs) this discussion was hilarious yes eleanor tries to persuade her that she can't accept such an extravagant gift from someone she knows so little And Marianne is indignant. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She's like, I know Willoughby better than I know 
John, our own brother. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, I was like, I you kind of have to give her credit there. She she is kind of right in a way, True, but, but not really. It should be much more acceptable for her to take a horse from John mm-hmm. than from Willoughby. Oh, for sure. Not that John would ever give her anything that expensive. No. no. <laughs> but Eleanor is like, listen, we just can't afford it. And even though we can't, Mama will pro- would probably say yes anyway. And that convinces Marianne, like, well, I can't make Mama say yes, even if though she means no. <laughs> Just that whole discussion of her. She was like, well, we have a shed where it can live. And if <laughs> we do- carrots every day. <laughs> yeah, I'll feed it carrots every day. And if we do need a servant, he can just have any old shitty horse from the town. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> It's like such a little kid, like such a teenager, like we'll make it work, even if it's the worst situation possible. Yeah, but uh, she does convince her and Eleanor overhears her declination. Declination? Is that the word? I wrote declination. I don't know if it's a word. (laughs) (laughs) To Willoughby. Willoughby promises to keep it for her until she leaves home to set up her own establishment. (laughs) Hmm. what do you mean by that (laughs) but this convinces eleanor that they are engaged and she stops worrying about them so much (sighs) eleanor never assume (laughs) makes an ass out of you and me well and even furthering her feelings margaret tells her that she saw willoughby cut a lock of marianne's hair (laughs) and so creepy (laughs) (laughs) there's a funny bit where eleanor is like are you sure remember when you thought she was wearing his picture but it was really just a picture of our great uncle (laughs) (laughs) she's like i'm certain of it (laughs) which i presume is old man dashwood from the beginning of the book probably (laughs) (sighs) it's funny i guess they really like that old man (laughs) i guess so margaret also spills the beans to mrs jennings that edward (laughs) is who eleanor likes (laughs) (laughs) this is funny (laughs) she slips that he has no profession and that his name starts with an f and everyone (laughs) intentionally slash unintentionally jumps to eleanor's aid and becomes interested in other things immediately therefore dropping (laughs) (laughs) oh the weather is so terrible (laughs) it's like colonel brandon intentionally changes the subject while mrs jennings just changed the subject because her mind is already on another topic (laughs) (laughs) she's like "Ah, i'm done with this It is surprisingly alarming to Eleanor, making me feel bad for her and also letting me know that she feels way more than she has admitted to anyone. Girl. (laughs) At least write it down in a journal or something. I mean, you can't even in the middle of the night be like, Marianne, I do like him. (laughs) (laughs) Or even like talk to your mom about it. She knows. And it's like she knows. She has some inkling. I don't know if I talk about it more later, but... My impression is that Eleanor is not keeping her feelings to herself because of propriety. It's because she doesn't want to talk to anyone about it because she's too embarrassed (laughs) of having emotions in front of people. (laughs) (sighs) Eleanor. Which I understand. You know, I feel like I did have a thought while I was reading this. Like, I have been both an Eleanor and a Marianne in my time. Of course. (laughs) Because when I was Eleanor's age, 19 was when, I don't know if this is too much information for the podcast, but I'll share my own story a little bit. When my mother was in an accident and she was like in a car accident, she was in a coma 
anyway, but when that happened, I started like not telling anybody what was going on with me because it felt like, I don't know. I didn't want to like burden other people with Mm -hmm. my feelings. And so I became much more of an Eleanor. So maybe that's why I'm more judgmental of Eleanor. (laughs) You have like retrospect. (laughs) Yeah, because I was more of a Marianne as a kid. And then I kind of turned into an Eleanor. And, you know, over the years, I've become much more of a Marianne again. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Okay. Chapter 13. (laughs) So the whole gang, including some other ladies from the neighborhood, we hear about them a couple times. There's a couple of Miss Carries who are kind yes. of part of the party a lot. We never really meet them, but we hear about them a lot. They're all preparing to go on this excursion, which Eleanor is like, oh, the weather's going to be horrible and blah, 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 <laughs> go. But the weather is surprisingly amazing. <laughs> <laughs> They're all getting ready to go, and the post comes, and Colonel B gets a letter, which makes him go pale and leave the room. And everyone is super curious about what it could be about, especially Mrs. Jennings. (laughs) (laughs) She is curious. I said, you know I love her, but she is downright rude with her curiosity in this chapter. (laughs) Oh, yeah. She's like, "Mm, tell us what it is right now. (laughs) (laughs) I do still love that she doesn't give a shit about it, but <laughs> like right. she doesn't care if she's rude. <laughs> I said, so far, a lot of this book has touched on what is considered appropriate behavior and who actually cares about that. Mama, Marianne, Mrs. Jennings, Fanny, John, Sir John, like majority of them do not care at all <laughs> right. about appropriate behavior. <laughs> It's just essentially Colonel Brandon and Eleanor. <laughs> Colonel Brandon doesn't care either. It's more like Eleanor. That's true. Maybe Fanny and Lady Middleton. <laughs> right. And I guess John Dashwood, but only if someone tells him he should care. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Colonel Brandon comes back and he plays it real cool. I mean, he's definitely used to Mrs. Jennings' not nosiness by now. So. Oh, for sure. But in the adaptations, he's always like upset and frantic, but he's he's not. He keeps it very, he plays it very close to the chest, but he does leave quickly. He doesn't appear too distressed, though. Everyone tries to get him to stay and he politely <laughs> refuses, making it impossible for them to go. Um, yeah, I didn't Ruined actually say in the last chapter, but this whole excursion is supposed to be to Whitwell, which is like this lovely place with a lake and pretty grounds belonging to Colonel Brandon's brother-in-law, um, um. who is out of the country and has left instructions that no one is allowed to visit, which is why they need Colonel Brandon to go. And <laughs> when he can't, they have to change their plans. Right. I just thought that was really interesting. Like, uh, I wonder if we could if there are any papers out there like who is his brother where is he right. do we know from context clues <laughs> mrs jennings lets eleanor know that she thinks that the business colonel brandon has is to do with uh, miss williams hmm. she claims that uh miss williams is his natural daughter and looks just like him which does make sense later on colonel brandon as he is taking leave, asks Eleanor if they might be going to town this winter. And she's like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, well, I don't know when I'm going to be back. So see ya in the future. And then he <laughs> simply bows to Marianne. <laughs> <laughs> so they all decide that 
they're just going to go out for carriage rides as their alternative plan. And Willoughby's curacle is the first in line. <laughs> curacle. <laughs> curacle. <laughs> Marianne and him take off, not to be seen again until after everyone else has returned. <laughs> <laughs> At least a couple of people want to know where they've been and make inquiries. One of which is Mrs. Jennings, who lets everyone know when she finds out. The other is Eleanor. Oh, we find out that Eleanor has had her own girl go off and find out where have they been. <laughs> which I just think is a funny little extra note. When she gets... Oh, did I even say where they went? Oh, no, I do. Okay. When she gets Marianne alone, she expresses how very improper she thinks it was for them. <laughs> and Marianne does not agree that it was improper at all. <laughs> <laughs> Eleanor implies that them being alone together in his house. Oh, I guess I didn't say, but they go to his, they go to Alanum and like look yes. around. Um, but Eleanor implies that them being alone together in his house may imply something. <clears throat> and Marianne has to think about it for a minute, but then concludes that, oh, maybe it wasn't the smartest, but she isn't ashamed and tells Eleanor how great the sitting room was. <laughs> <laughs> I think Willoughby says something like, it'll only take a couple hundred pounds to make it super nice in here. And I'm like, Carly, your family makes 50 pounds a year off your interest. <laughs> right. And you're like, oh, we'll just spend a couple hundred on redoing the sitting room. <laughs> and... I, I wonder if Mrs. Jennings not finding it scandalous helps Marianne feel that it wasn't scandalous. You know, like, mm -hmm. because Mrs. Jennings is like, oh, kids are kids. If Marianne's right. like, look, she doesn't care. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which, I mean, to be know, fair, Eleanor is the only one who cares. But <laughs> Right. <laughs> She's like, all these other adults don't care. So why do yeah. you care? <laughs> um, okay, chapter 14. For the next few days, Mrs. Jennings tries to figure out what could have called Brandon away. It says, she was a great wanderer, and everyone must be who takes a lively interest in all the comings and goings of all of their acquaintance. <laughs> 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 uh, she wonders if it could be money. Um, his brother, who had originally owned his estate, had left it in debt when he died. But she doubted Colonel Brandon hadn't turned that around by now. She's like, there's no way he's still in debt. And then she's like, maybe his sister is sick. But she really thinks that it's Miss Williams being ill is the most likely. His um, hmm. supposed daughter. Right. Eleanor is interested in all of her speculation, but is a little too preoccupied with wondering why Willoughby and Marianne haven't announced their engagement yet. <laughs> <laughs> she's like it's so unlike them to conceal anything which is a really great point That's especially true. something like that and uh willoughby still pretty much visits them ev all day every day one evening in particular he's joking about how they can't do any improvements because the cottage is such a source of happiness to him and it's mm. where some of his greatest happiness has sprung from and Mama funnily promises not to change anything just for him. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Marianne's like, you can't afford to change anything, so nothing is going to be changed anyways. Maybe Eleanor. Marianne is mm. just staring lovingly at him the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, that's what I meant. Uh, she makes it very clear they both are very aware of the love they feel for each other. 
like they both stare at each other and are like we love each other without actually saying we love each other right and at the end he also makes them promise to always consider him with kindness which they readily agree to Hmm. (sighs) setting something up for himself (laughs) (laughs) already apologizing Ooh. Okay, chapter 15. I put big chapter exclamation point. (laughs) Very important. (laughs) The next day, the day after, he's like, I hope you guys will always think of me with kindness. (laughs) (laughs) Eleanor, Margaret, and Mama go to visit Lady Middleton while Marianne stays home. Mama suspects that she has plans to meet with Willoughby and is perfectly content to let her stay home. (laughs) I said, I don't see why it's improper for her to tour his house alone with him and his aunt was there then. And it's not improper for him to come to the house and them to be alone together in the house. Yeah. That was something where I was like, Oh, this seems like a weird exception to the rule, but okay. (laughs) Well, I guess mama doesn't care, but like, it's like improper for her to go to his house where his aunt is there, but it's not improper Mm -hmm. for him to come to her house where there's nobody (laughs) I wonder maybe if it was like, it is, but who's going to tell? <laughs> yeah, I guess they're kind More of that. expecting uh, an engagement, so. Right. Uh, okay, so they when all the, the girls come back, Willoughby's carriage is there. And they go inside, and the first thing they see is Marianne crying and running up the stairs. She's <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> <And> oh. Then, <laughs> they're like, what the hell? They go in, they find Willoughby is also very upset. And they ask him what's wrong. And he kind of tries to put on like a cheerful face and is like, oh, no, it's really me who's upset because my aunt, Mrs. Smith, is making me go to London at once. And he doesn't know when he might be back. Probably not for a whole year, he says. Lord. Mama is very distressed and assures him that he can come back and stay with them whenever he likes. Like, you don't have to stay away a year. You can always stay in our guest room. And he's like, I I don't know if I can. Uh, I have to go. And then he runs out the door. (laughs) (laughs) And Eleanor and Mama are left upset and stunned. Mama is like so upset that she has to leave to collect herself for a little while. I love this scene in the movie where (laughs) everyone is in their rooms crying and Eleanor is just like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In the book, though, Eleanor is mulling it all over and it says she thought with the tenderest compassion of that violent sorrow, which Marianne was in all probability, not merely giving way to as a relief, but feeding and encouraging as a duty. I said, rude. (laughs) (laughs) She just does not think highly of her sister's emotions. She's like, she doesn't really feel that way. She's just making herself feel that way. And I'm like. No, she's not. <laughs> I right. Mean, I, I just feel like it's so judgmental. Like, as an emotional person, you cannot always control those, you know? Right. <laughs> you can't always bottle it up. I mean, it's maybe Mary Ann thinks showing your emotions is like a romantic how people should behave, but I don't think that she is. She's not like, feeling I'm going to. duty. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's a little bit uh, judgment from her sister. But then I don't know if it's Eleanor or the author who is, you know, it's kind of hard to tell. 
Yeah, I feel like this is one of those points where it's kind of blended. It's like kind of both, um, just in the sense that like Eleanor is kind of up to this point been so anti-sensibility. And yeah. she's like, essentially she's saying like, well, she kind of did this to herself if she was just more like me and had more sense. Yes, I, I just think Eleanor is very judgmental of her sister. <laughs> yeah, she's like, she wouldn't have gotten hurt because if she, she was just closed off like me. Yeah, she doesn't understand her because she doesn't react the same way as her. Right. Okay, mama, mama, mama comes back in and is like, <laughs> I've convinced myself that I understand what happened. <laughs> She, <laughs> she thinks Mrs. Smith decided that she didn't want them to marry and she sent Willoughby away and she's like, you can't convince me otherwise. <laughs> and I said, it's funny because this is always a plot point of someone getting sent away because the person they love is not approved of. But right. yet that is not what has happened. But we yeah. just assume that because that's just the way it should be. But like... Right. It's funny because that's always, it, I think in every Jane Austen book, there's always a moment where someone's oh, yeah. like, it's because they don't approve. And I'm like, is that yeah. ever the actual case though? Yeah. <laughs> it's like this weird, like red herring of an idea yeah. <laughs> to be like, well, it's not, you know, this person's fault. It has to be someone <laughs> else's fault. Yeah. Well, I guess it is true with Edward later on, but. Right. So Eleanor, and I think Jane Austen had a moment, like a actual person who she fell in love with whose family whisked him away oh really some Dang irish that. guy i'm I, i'm Ooh. not really sure i don't know that story very well anyway eleanor is delicately trying to say that she doesn't want to blame willoughby that she actually does love him as part of the family but she can't put a square peg in a round hole <laughs> <laughs> why wouldn't he at least tell her the truth it's so unlike him to keep secrets and why wouldn't he sure. have at least said goodbye to Marianne before he left? <laughs> That's true. She also cannot accept that they are engaged without either of them ever having said so. And Mama thinks that they said it with their actions. And so she believes it implicitly. <sighs> Her and Eleanor kind of <laughs> get into it here where she's like, well, I would believe actions over words yeah. any day it's so complicated because like eleanor is completely right in the situation mm -hmm. but like i don't know <laughs> yeah like in certain ways she's right but she's also kind of judgmental about you know i don't know yeah well it's like eleanor i think understands that like in society in those days like words mean a lot and saying that you're engaged actually means something other than pretending that you are yeah. but then it's also like she's wrong in the sense that maybe he shouldn't have pretended to be engaged to her to Marianne yeah. because that obviously was rude yeah it's like she understands them so well to know that they can't conceal their feelings and yet is judgmental of them for not being able to conceal their feelings right <laughs> <laughs> okay anyway so when Marianne comes down for dinner, she is like a wreck. She can't eat or speak. <laughs> <laughs> and when Mama squeezes her hand, she's so overcome with emotions that Aww. she has to leave. <laughs> <laughs> and the book says, this violent oppression of spirits continued the whole evening. She was without any power because she was without any desire of command over herself. <laughs> and again, I was like, this feels very judgmental. <laughs> I know Marianne has her flaws, but I also know what it's like to be so grief stricken that you just can't. <laughs> and right. love will and do it to you. Yeah. And she's <laughs> 16. So. <laughs> yeah. 
And my final thought on that chapter is Willoughby is a dick. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you are not alone in those sentiments. <laughs> okay, final chapter for this day, chapter 16. Okay, Marianne is all in her feelings for a few days. <laughs> <laughs> she wanders alone to all the places that she and Willoughby used to go. She plays all the songs that they sang together. <laughs> she reads the books that they read together. And oh yeah, she cries a lot. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the part where I felt most connected to Eleanor because <laughs> I would probably, what I would assume Eleanor would do is the same thing I would do where I was like, well, I just have to forget everything about this person and they don't exist anymore. And that's how I'll feel better. <laughs> Instead of reliving every tragic memory yeah. <laughs> oh, she tries to um get her mom to ask marianne if they're engaged but mama refuses she thinks it'd be <laughs> forcing a confession and eleanor thinks she's being overly romantic <laughs> <laughs> when does eleanor think that you know when does she not think that of those two well, why doesn't she just do it <laughs> exactly if she's like you know i'm so sensible i you know is you she like, it. Marianne's never going to answer me, but maybe she'll answer Mama. Mm. I think if she just asked her, though, Marianne would have no choice but to tell her. You know? Exactly. She just asked her outright. Okay. Finally, like maybe a week later, they dare to mention Willoughby's name in Marianne's presence. And <laughs> they learn that she she at least thinks or has convinced herself that he's going to be back in a few weeks. Oh, Marianne. <laughs> Eleanor finally convinces Marianne to go on a walk with her and Margaret instead of wandering alone through the countryside. And while they're out, they see a man on horseback down the road. And Marianne, of course, thinks it's Willoughby immediately. <laughs> Although <laughs> Eleanor tries to point out that it looks nothing like him. <laughs> <laughs> but Marianne takes off running toward him and Eleanor runs behind her to keep her from embarrassing herself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would just be like whatever you want to be embarrassing you can embarrass yourself but it's not going to embarrass me if you're embarrassed <laughs> right <laughs> but as soon as Marianne realizes that it's not him she starts to turn away but everyone stops her including the man who just so happens to be Edward Ferris <laughs> the shock of the century <laughs> That's the first time I think I wrote in my notes that their last name was Ferris. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> they all head to the cottage and Marianne actually seems happier to see him than Eleanor does. <laughs> <laughs> and she does wonder a little about the coldness she observes between Eleanor and Edward. She's like, it's the same thing I kind of felt from them at Norlin that if they really did love each other, maybe they should act a little bit like they do. <laughs> Edward, we find out, has been staying with friends in the area, Sussex, for a couple of weeks. Hmm. Uh, with no word to them, I might add, while he was in the area. <laughs> Edward. They make me think of Charlotte Lucas, who is completely unsentimental, like Eleanor, but knows that you have to show some affection if you ever want things to work out. 
at least pretend, Eleanor. (laughs) (laughs) I love this last paragraph. Eleanor took no notice of this, directing her attention to their visitor, endeavored to support something like discourse with him. (laughs) By talking (laughs) of their present residence, its conveniences, and (laughs) see. Extorting from him (laughs) occasional questions and remarks. His coldness and reserve mortified her severely. She was vexed (laughs) and half angry, but resolving to regulate her behavior to him by the past rather than the present, she avoided every appearance of resentment or displeasure and treated him as she thought he ought to be treated from the family connection. (laughs) (laughs) I said, there's something I really like about Eleanor's anger. (laughs) (laughs) Her like resolution is just, let me just push everything as far down as it possibly could go. Nothing is wrong here. Don't look. I just like that she is annoyed with Edward for being like, why are you even here if you're going to be so cold and rude and you're not going to have told us you were in town for a month you know she's like right okay fine i will do my best to not take it too harshly but right i I do i mean that's my favorite thing about eleanor is her anger (laughs) so (laughs) (laughs) because it's like uh, finally an emotion exactly (laughs) but i like that she recognizes like even her like what is happening edward (laughs) right why are you being so Oopy. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the end of the recap. So what was your favorite part? <laughs> I think my favorite part was when Colonel Brandon gets the letter and Miss Jennings is like, well, you're going to tell us what's going on. <laughs> tell <laughs> us all this, your business, this, please. Is this? Is this? And he's like, I have to go. <laughs> and just like the routine that he kind of goes through where he's like basically ignoring her and is like you're not asking me any questions it's like (laughs) how many times has this happened it just makes me laugh yeah i do i like i do like marianne and willoughby's like love story quote unquote during this Uh part of like just how much they're just like into each other and they really don't care about what everyone else thinks and right. I like, I do like Eleanor being like, oh, girl, you know, <laughs> <laughs> even though I find her a little judgmental and frustrating, I still, uh, you know, appreciate you, her. Yeah. And I especially like my, I think my favorite part is when Edward comes and she's just like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> she, doesn't say it. she tries to be as nice as she can, but she's just thinking the whole time, like, Ugh. Yeah, when it's like if she would just say one thing to Marianne about it, Marianne would be like, "He is doing what you are doing." I know. <laughs> Stop oh, so being like... so frustrating. <laughs> you two are it's the so same. It's so funny because the author never calls that out in Eleanor, but she shows it to us. So right. <laughs> yeah, I was. I had thought about that. Like, there are certain like elements of each character where the author doesn't necessarily like specifically call it out. But the author is like, just watch. (laughs) And the next part will explain everything. (laughs) Well, she's being so judgmental of Marianne. Like, she's just making herself cry all day long. She doesn't really want to cry. She just feels like she has to for romanticism. (laughs) But, like, (laughs) Eleanor is allowed to just be passing judgment on everybody left and right. (laughs) Keeping all her feelings bottled up. Not telling anyone anything. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then she gets mad at Edward for doing the exact same thing. 
<laughs> Wait, why are you bottling it up? And Marianne, on the other hand, is like, you two. <laughs> Problems. <laughs> you two need to be locked into a room together. <laughs> exactly. She keeps trying to put them together in a room, but it's impossible. <laughs> Okay, well, let's do the deep dive. Yeah, we're making let's good do it. time. Surprisingly, I think we're really just flowing through it, throwing our ideas out there, and everything's perfect. <laughs> well, I didn't look up anything because I just forgot. But I did pick a person. <laughs> <We don't need laughs> yeah, that would be Willoughby, because even though mm-hmm. there is like a turn, I feel like this is like the most true expression of like who he is deep down inside. Uh huh. You know, I mean, he's definitely got problems with, oh, what, what did I say? Um, caring about the feelings of other people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's a little bit selfish. He's definitely selfish, self-centered. And we do learn a lot more about him in the future, about like what was going on in his head during this whole thing. And, but I think we get a pretty good, like just the way he like, just falls for Marianne. He's so willing to take her everywhere and so unable to conceal his love for her. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And no sense of propriety. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause I was like trying to think like, clearly he's a very emotional person. So I was like, is he a water sign? But then I was like, he seems very like self-centered and maybe like a little bit like flighty. So I was like, is he an air sign? Mm, Because I was thinking, is he a fire sign? Because I immediately want to put Marianne as a fire sign. But like, I don't think Willoughby is like exactly the same as Marianne, obviously. No, I feel like Marianne is like a fire sign because she's like unwilling to compromise on her beliefs and on her mm-hmm. opinions and stuff. Yes. And he seems definitely like I'm able to be swayed. <laughs> yeah. He might be a good candidate for a Gemini. I mean, yeah, he does with kind like of like a maybe a Scorpio moon. Or maybe he's a Scorpio with a Gemini moon. Like, who knows? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> There's definitely a Gemini in there. Because he does like kind maybe... of yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I was just thinking maybe more of like a Scorpio with the Gemini moon, just because I feel like when it really comes down to it, his emotions aren't as fixed as, yeah, you know, Marianne's. like I feel like he's more willing to just be like, oh, well, I got to, you know. He's, yeah, he's, he's like willing to compromise on very certain things that pertain to him and his yeah. situation, yes. which Marianne is like. I'm always going to be the way I am because I am romantic <laughs> and I can't be changed. Yeah. I feel like his nature is like Scorpio, but he can talk himself out of it fairly, yeah. you know, he's, yeah. I definitely think Scorpio, Gemini. Yeah. Cause we also kind of get that, like, you know, the duality of like his two different sides where like before he's like, I love Marianne. I'm just like her. And then we get this twist where he's like, not really like her and he's like compromising yeah. on something so yeah yeah mm. so should we just say scorpio sun gemini moon i like that yes yeah i like that too <laughs> <laughs> and maybe he's like a sagittarius rising or something you know mm-hmm. i i 
I'm giving away all of my stuff already because I already said <laughs> I thought Eleanor was, but I kind of think that Marianne is a Sagittarius. But um, <laughs> I just think like there's something about them that matches. Like he appears to be just like Marianne. Right. Your, your rising sign is kind of like how you appear to others. So I could see him being like Sagittarius rising. <laughs> like everyone thinks, yeah. oh, you're so warm and, you know, but really it's Scorpio and Gemini. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the two really big players at work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay. D and D. I was like neutral, neutral. I would say chaotic, neutral, maybe. Oh, yeah. He is very chaotic. <laughs> Clearly. He, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not going to go so far as to say evil, even though. Maybe yeah. later in the book, we might want to. Right. But, you know, there's there's so much to come. <laughs> but. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that this whole section we just read is sincere. I don't think he's mm -hmm. trying to play anyone. You know, we do kind of learn later that maybe he wasn't as, like, invested in Marianne from the very beginning as he seems. But, like, I think it right. quickly he really, truly falls in love with her. Yeah, I agree. I think the same. Yeah. <laughs> so chaotic neutral and hmm, david lynch i feel oh like gosh. oh he would fit into a david lynch movie so yes <laughs> <laughs> easily <laughs> oh yeah i feel like he goes to one-eyed jacks <laughs> yeah definitely definitely a one-eyed jacks but to me i like for me like i was like he seems a lot to me like a version of james almost mm. Yeah, like very intense, kind of dumb. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little dumb, maybe a little wishy-washy about everything, and he just kind of gets some James vibes. Yeah, because James does have a bit of a selfish streak to him, you know. Like, oh, for sure, <laughs> <laughs> he comes across as like being all nice and whatever, but Sensitive. he's like. He cry in my face i don't care i'm leaving you the next day don't <laughs> exactly <laughs> for me because i need to one day after i give you a ring i will be gone <laughs> <laughs> i feel like he'd be like james has the right idea i kind of feel like he would watch wild at heart later on and be like oh i remember the best days of my life were with mary <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like a reminiscing nostalgic <laughs> i could also see him watching Eraserhead as kind of like a self-torture type thing mm -hmm. he's you like know. that's me <laughs> yes <laughs> yes uh, which means all these descriptors, I'm like, do I hate Willoughby again? <laughs> well, ew, he's so complicated. It's so like, yeah, I can't wait till we get to the end of this book because I just love the end of this book so much. But <laughs> we're not anywhere <laughs> close. But no, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I definitely feel like he's he's very complicated character. Definitely would fit into the David Lynch world <laughs> oh, as yeah. like someone who he's almost well i wouldn't even say i almost kind of think like he could be the kyle mclaughlin from blue velvet but like a little bit worse <laughs> but kyle mclaughlin yeah. in that movie was kind of like are you okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah there was something wrong and 
He also kind of a little bit gives me Ed vibes too, because he's so like, you know, his like the whole relationship between Ed and like Norma and Nadine, Mm. it's just that triangle just kind of like seems a very similar-ish situation. Definitely like post book. Yeah. I feel like he could definitely be kind of an Ed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's good. I think we did a good job of sorting Willoughby. (laughs) Yeah. I think we just know him so well at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Willoughby. (laughs) (laughs) The type of man I would definitely fall for. And (laughs) (laughs) Marianne, don't do it. (laughs) That's what I would say. Maya Maya Ann, don't do it. (laughs) Maya Ann. (laughs) Hopefully I'm wise enough now, but you never know. Okay, so what was our no we are your favorite parts um what are our final thoughts on this set of chapters uh, it feels almost like it's giving the feeling of like a turning point in the book which is so funny because it's so early on in the book but it just feel like we're having maybe our first kind of like major turd where i'm like you know if i didn't see the adaptations i'm like where are we going from here i don't I don't know what's yeah. going to happen. And I want Edward and Eleanor to speak to each other frankly for once, but I know it won't happen right now. I don't know that we ever get to observe that happening. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it does happen, but I don't know if we actually get to see it. <laughs> <laughs> Will we ever? Probably not. <laughs> uh, um, what about yours? Yeah, I like, I, I mean, the first section was very much like, the poor Dashwood women and mm-hmm. there's their struggle from Norland to Barton. And this one was very much like the story of Marianna Willoughby's love. <laughs> so I'm very <laughs> curious. I mean, I've obviously already read the recaps, but I'm interested to see what will I be calling the next section. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The next section has one of my favorite chapters in it. So I'm very excited. Oh, <laughs> I'm excited to read it. Yeah. But yeah, I do. I like this. I like, I do like the love story. It's Me too. it's sweet, you know. They're in love. They're so like over the moon for each other and so willing to just like spit in the face of propriety. But I also like the way everybody else in society is like, sure, you know, who cares? Literally <laughs> the only person judging them. I don't even think Lady Middleton notices. Because, you know, Probably she not. doesn't care about what's going on beyond her children. So I was about to say, she's like, those aren't my kids. So I don't really care. Yeah, exactly. And Sir John and Mrs. Jennings are just like, yes, of course, young people right. want to go off and <laughs> be together. I think Willoughby would be more forgivable if he was younger. But because he's like older, you're like, Ugh. well, he's like 25. Yeah, but also it's like. 25 with a 16 year old he still has nine years of life on her i think that she is 17 by the time we get to this point just because like she starts off at 16 and they spend six months at norland and Mm, i think she's like 16 and a half at the beginning so i think she's kind of like 17 he's like 25 so and you know uh, no offense to any men out there or to you christian but (laughs) The aging process is a little bit slower. 
<laughs> the mature, the maturing process, I will say, can be for men such as Willoughby. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely. Well, that's why I'm like, it's still like, if he was younger, I feel like I personally would have more sympathy because I'd be like, they were just two, you know, dumb teenagers. But yeah, I feel like if he was younger, young, he wouldn't run off. You know, he'd be yeah, more that's true. To... He'd make more rash decisions. Yeah. Like same. Not so calculating, but right. <laughs> we don't know that yet, so I can't really be <laughs> <laughs> that's what we suspect is gonna happen, but we don't yeah. know. <laughs> if you've seen the adaptations. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I mean I really like this book. Me too. And this is the first time I started psychoanalyzing Eleanor properly. So there's a lot <laughs> of that to come. <laughs> Hopefully you guys aren't Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like we will continuously become more frustrated with Eleanor because I don't see her I changing anything. Want her soon. to open her mouth and say what she's thinking. Yes, <laughs> or feeling, I should say. <sighs> oh, but it's gonna get worse before it gets better with her. Okay, <laughs> it always has to. Okay, well, that's it for today. Let us do our recommendations slash what we're enjoying. Yeah. Well, currently, I just started because I'm kind of caught up on all my shows that I watch on my breaks during the week. And Mm -hmm. so I was like, I guess I should start something new because I don't really have anything until it comes out. And so I started that Apple Plus series called C with Jason Momoa and Alfre Woodard. I'm enjoying it. It's Is it like blind people? Yeah, so like I guess the concept is like <laughs> it starts off with like you know like the oh god what's it called where exposition like where it's just text on screen and kind of tells you what's happening and uh-huh. it's like you know this virus kills everyone but two million people and they all lose their sight and I was like another viral unintentional viral thing because it did come up for the pandemic I think everyone is blind and. It's like centuries have passed since that happened. And it's like kind of like the new dystopian future where there are like tribes of people who have banded together. And it's very interesting to kind of like see the actors kind of like completely do everything like they're blind. It's really interesting to kind of see how they move, how they fight in battles and how they just communicate with each other in a way. And I'm enjoying it. I would say it's one of those things where you really have to suspend your disbelief (laughs) because just because it's like it's hundreds of years after the present day but like you know there's like this like kind of religious aspect of it where you can't really talk about vision but like it's heresy in a way but then I'm like well you have eyeballs still so like clearly I don't know I'm as as long as you can like I did completely like just give into like the rules of this world um uh-huh. I'm enjoying it and it's very ironically it's very beautiful filmed <laughs> even though everyone's blind in it so I remember like kind of reading the description and I once read a book uh-huh. I, I can't remember what it was called I don't even know if I could figure it out just by looking it up but it was a book about I don't know if the girl was blind. I think the whole society was blind and maybe she could see. Uh-huh. But it was it, it just the description very much reminds me of this other book I read. And I was like, is it based on that? But I don't think it is. But um, 
It could be like in a way. It doesn't seem like a very like nouveau idea, but it's really interesting to see it on screen and it's got a good cast. It's very interesting. Yeah. It's also very violent. So <laughs> just a forewarning, <laughs> it is like, it's not necessarily like gory, but there is a lot of like violence in it. So just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say even like unnecessary violence. It's just like, you know, it's just a violent world. So go into it with that in mind, but I'm really enjoying it and it's very fun. There's no way I can tell. <laughs> so long ago that I'd have to like just scroll through for a while. <laughs> I can't just put in a description. Blind people. <laughs> <laughs> Blind people book. Blind people book. If you have any idea what I'm talking about, please write in and let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. For me, I started watching the Olympics last night because I love the Olympics. Mm. And it's kind of cool to be able to watch the summer and the winter like in mm-hmm. the same year like I used to when I was a kid. By the time this one comes out, though, it'll probably be over. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> I was thinking there's one thing. This is going to be a, a random one. <laughs> so I recently started getting grocery deliveries from like one of those um, misfit market type uh-huh. things. And they have plant based milk, which I usually get just because I can't go through milk fast enough <laughs> for my grocery <laughs> milk. <laughs> But I'm always a little wary of like, you know, oat milk or whatever. I'm like, is it going to taste gross? So they had this one that was specifically for creaminess. Like you can froth uh-huh. it. And I got this new coffee maker. So I haven't ever tried it, but you you can froth milk with it. Yeah. But it's barley milk. And so I was like, oh. is this going to be disgusting? I mean, I don't know. Barley milk sounds disgusting to me. But I've been using it for the past week, and it is actually really good. So oh, wow. That's say, cool. if you're at the store and you're like, I don't know about barley milk, give it a try because it's really not bad. <laughs> That's so interesting. Yeah, I've not heard of barley milk. I am a big oat milk stan, um, even though it's worse for the environment than almond milk. But almond milk I just... I love almond milk. I do love it, but I love oat milk better. It's not very creamy, though. Yeah, they've kind of like, with the barleys and the oats and all those grains milk, they've kind of figured out how to make them like thicker, which like make it more like original milk. And it's really interesting, but yeah, I do enjoy an alternative milk. I have been putting like a vanilla almond milk on my cereal and I cannot tell the difference. It tastes exactly like regular milk to me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah like growing up we always used skim milk or like reduced yeah, fat so it was always very it was like thinner at it and I didn't necessarily love whole milk because I was like this is too thick it's gross <laughs> but <laughs> so like transitioning to like a uh, plant-based milk was super easy because yeah. I was like it's the same texture and it has a little bit of like a vanilla tinge to it so it's kind of sweet. yeah <laughs> I was thinking maybe maybe that's why because my mom was always on a diet when we were kids. <laughs> I mean, it was the 80s, so it was like skim diet milk culture. and margarine. And... <laughs> yeah, that's cool, though. I never heard of barley milk. Anyway, just for anyone who is at all interested, don't be afraid of barley milk. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard good things about that Misfits market. I know a bunch of people who use it, so. Might I've be been really enjoying it. I mean, they've definitely gotten stuff wrong every single time I've ordered, but <laughs> they're really quick to like give you a refund if they forget to put something in or whatever. Oh, well, that's nice. Like I ordered vanilla 
flax milk and they just sent me vanilla beans and i was like well <laughs> i mean that's cool <laughs> yeah <laughs> not at all what i was hoping for <laughs> you can make your own vanilla extract if you've got any old vodka lying around yeah i mean i i i have uh, one other vanilla bean that i think i've had for five years just because i'm like <laughs> i don't want to use it it's too precious <laughs> <laughs> it is vanilla has become one of the most expensive things in the world because of shortages so i would like to grow my own vanilla if you could do it successfully and i can grow orchids successfully so i don't see why i shouldn't be able that's to true. grow like a vanilla bean <laughs> that's true you could um maybe you could partner with the local whatever and make a lot of money because vanilla is very expensive right now i doubt i could grow enough to make it work <laughs> enough for just Never me know. to have a bean or two every now and then <laughs> <laughs> that's true that would be a delicacy for sure that would be cool anyway okay so let's see we're recording these in such a weird way i have to like i had to make a list <laughs> okay so next week we will be doing twin peaks episode 13 of season two and then when we come back with Sense and Sensibility, it will be chapters 17 through 22. Oh my God. I, what was it? I thought of something. I, oh yes. I had a brilliant idea. Okay. Okay. You can still write us in with whatever your ideas were for this chapter or whatever. I would love to hear from you, but I have an idea of what I would like people to write us in about. Okay. Because I have not been able to get that song. I get so emotional out of my head whenever I'm reading about Marianne. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we should make playlists because we've always talked about making playlists, but I think we should really yeah. make one for Sense and Sensibility and maybe for the books we've already done, like Northanger Abbey and Persuasion. So if there is a song that you associate with a character or with this book, let us know because I want to make a playlist with like, Ooh, I like a Sense and Sensibility playlist. Like, you know, um, uh, we'll have that song on for Marianne and whatever else because I'm not that great with songs, but... <laughs> I just That's keep getting that song stuck in my head and thinking of every time I think of Marianne. So <laughs> <laughs> that sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely let us know if you have any like song associations you want us to add to the playlist. That's cool. Yes. <laughs> so I think that will be a fun thing to do. So please write us in yeah. and let us know. And we can make a Twin Peaks one too. I mean, obviously, That's Twin true. Peaks already has a lot of great music associated with it. But if there's like a song that you think of, that has to do with the character let us know or anything that we've already done we could do playlists for all of them but yes you know. yeah playlists are fun i was just very lazy at the time when we said we would do a playlist and i was like <laughs> i'll do it tomorrow i'll do it tomorrow <laughs> and clearly tomorrow never came <laughs> well this one will be easier because literally we only have one song at this point <laughs> <So>. <laughs> right <laughs> but you you think too because um you're much more up on music <laughs> yeah that'll be fun i'll do that maybe i'll do it start doing it this sunday oh do it do it rockapella <laughs> <laughs> okay well that's it for today oh mm -hmm. if you want to get in contact with us to let us know your songs yes you can email us at manners and madness at gmail.com you can dm us on twitter at manners madness or on instagram at manners and madness pod or you can leave a one-minute voicemail on our website at mannersandmadness.com. And we hope that you will, because we'd love yes. to hear from you. Okay, well, that's it for today. Hope you guys are having a good week, and we will talk to you next week. Yes, good thank night. you for listening. Bye. <laughs>